welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm Laura, a traveler and teacher with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plates and on our minds. Welcome. Second to last episode of the season. Yeah, penultimate. Oh, I love that word. (laughs) Okay, so we're here in person. We've done a lot of like interviews. Well, not a lot. We've done two interviews in a row-ish, right? Feels like it. Yeah, it just feels like a while since we've just been the two of us, so it's nice. Yeah, in person. Yeah, Yeah. we were doing a lot of remote recording and stuff. Yeah, but here we are. Vaccinated. Double vaxxed, ready to party. (laughs) And we are. We're going to have a little spritz party today. Yeah, we are. My favorite type of party. Yeah. Um, Before we get into anything, I actually have something that I had to try live on air with you. Okay. And it's one of those things where like you're on the exit, you're on your way out of the grocery store and you're like, what is that? Uh Uh-huh. So. What we got? (laughs) Laura's pulling something out from underneath the couch. (gasps) I think I, I saw those and I almost bought them. Dunkaroos cereal. Okay. Vinny can sense milk from a mile away. All right. <laughs> Shall we? Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing can be as good as the real thing, right? But this right. is shout out to the 90s kids, you know? Yeah. They're cute. Mm-hmm. They're these little round cookie-looking things, like sugar mm-hmm. cookie. Vinny is really circling this bowl of milk. Yeah. <laughs> Vinny's like a shark circling yep. its prey. Hoping for one taste of milk. What do you think? I like them. I don't... I don't know if I would taste it blind and be like, this tastes like Dunkaroos. That's what my thought is. Like, It tastes just like a sugary cereal to me. Do I sense Dunkaroos in this? Not so much. But I think they did a decent job of like adding the sweetness of the... The frosting flavor to the cookie flavor mm-hmm. in one piece. Yeah. Here, Ben. Oh, God. Oh, He's there. a sloppy eater, too. Oh, God. Listen, but we're I mean, all treating ourselves today, Vincent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would still crush a bowl of this. I would crush a bowl of that real fast. The thing is, though, I really wanted it to taste like, like real Dunkaroos. Mm-hmm. Like, it does make me think, though, of the... Rice Krispies treat cereal. Mm-hmm. Which is so good. Those are good. Are they bringing that back? Um, I haven't seen it. We've now spilled milk on the cat. <laughs> he's not. He's not mad about it. All right. Well, I give it a nice little fun appetite. Give it a, a seven out of ten. Oh, here's my spoon. Seven out of ten. That seems about right. Yeah. This is going over here. Yeah. all right shall we do salty sweet yes okay my salty is that i'm recognizing a characteristic of mine that is like really irritating which is i don't finish things (laughs) so i'll i'll like i have a real problem with like having too many ideas but never finishing them Uh uh-huh so Obviously, I wanted to cook my way through Italy, and I have. I've released 10 out of 20 recipes, and I only have three more that I have to actually cook. But I am so bad about keeping up the 
uh, momentum, especially on social media. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just exhausting. I don't know. I, I was so excited about it initially. Like, that fueled me to, like, do all this work for it. But I always reach a point where I just want to kind of, like, coast. Uh-huh. Or I have a new sparkly idea, you know? Do you so, feel like, um, I feel like I have felt this before where like you get an idea for a project like that, but then tying it into your blog and sharing on social media, like definitely gives you more purpose with it and a sense of focus, but then you get into it and maybe you hit the point you're at now where you're like, I kind of wish I had just done this. Like, why did I need to right. share it? Yeah. But Sharing it is part of what got you excited about it in the first place. Yeah. And I've made so many great connections and stuff with it. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't regret doing the whole social media thing. But, yeah, it is, like, what used to propel me is now making me, like, resent the thing. Yeah. You know? Not resent it, but just, I don't know. And maybe I don't really need to share as in-depth as I was initially. But Mm -hmm. I just am noticing, I'm like, Laura, you're so close to finishing. Like, Like, you could just power through. But there's this, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, a characteristic of mine where I really struggle with finishing projects. Well, so, can you, like, just take a break for the summer and then come back to it in the fall? See, here's the thing. <laughs> in my head, no. <laughs> in my head, I'm so close. I have three recipes, right? Like, uh-huh. between now and whenever we leave for the summer, I could finish it. Mm-hmm. Will I have them all shared online? Probably not. But I don't know. So you, are you saying you've cooked 17, mm-hmm. but you've only shared 10? Yeah. And you have three more you're planning to get out yeah. before you guys leave for the three, summer? Three more I need to bang out in the kitchen. Okay. And then I'll have all the content and I just need to like okay. edit and put on the blog and stuff. So anyway, I just like, if anyone else really struggles with this, what what do you do to maintain your focus? <laughs> because for me, it's like I... I feel like I'm really good at coming up with ideas and I have too many ideas and then I never actually finish any of my ideas. Yeah. But then it's also like, does it matter? No, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's what I keep telling myself. It, it doesn't matter. Course, you know, it's like, it's not like you're not finishing things that really need to get done. Yeah. But sometimes we give ourselves these projects and then because we are perfectionists yeah. and like, completionists in our brains it's yeah. like well i failed at this if i don't do it all the way i just through. feel like i'm so close that i just need someone to kick my butt to actually just finish it mm-hmm. but i don't know i what if yeah. you gave yourself an incentive like if i Ooh. get this done then i can buy this thing or something that's a good idea hmm. maybe you just need some kind of other motivation yeah i need some external motivator yeah it's a good idea. It's something worth thinking about. But yeah. Hmm. I'm always just like texting Sarah, like, what do you think about this idea? <laughs> and then yeah. you're always much more sensible. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're always just like, could you monetize that? Blah, blah, blah. Like you ask very realistic, pragmatic things. And in my head, I'm like. <laughs> okay. Well, that's my salty. Um, What's your salty? Okay, my salty is that my freaking dog has IBS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Follow up with the detail that's really the, the problem. It's like one thing if your dog has IBS and yeah. you just like let him out in the backyard. Right. Um, my dog has IBS and when he needs to go have like a diarrhea poop, he's not a dog you can just put in the backyard and let him do his thing. He's like, no, you need to walk me down the street. 
I know exactly where I want to go. <laughs> and um, this is really a problem because he loves to have a bout of diarrhea at like 3 a.m. Of course. So, and basically it's like, I, I don't know, like if this keeps up, I might have to call the vet, but he might just be getting old and just be a little sensitive. But it's like, I swear every other week he has a couple days where he's just off and he'll wake me up at 3 a.m. whining to go out, and I have to walk him. How do we get Gilmore's gut right? I know. I need to get him some dog probiotics or something. But, like, um, the other night, he woke me up three times between 3 and 6 a.m. And at, at the 4 a.m. one, I tried to be like, Gilmore, let's let's do this in the backyard. And I have this dog on a leash in the backyard in the grass, and he like pees on something and then comes over to me and like, come on, let's go for a walk. And I'm like, Dude, no, buddy, come on. Seriously, if this is that much of an emergency that you woke me up, then you should be able to go in the backyard. It should be dire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, thank God he doesn't poop in the house. Um, so that's that's, that's a, a good thing. <laughs> He's great in that sense. He is really good about letting me know when he, he needs to go out. But but yeah, it's just, it's something that keeps happening. And then he even like got constipated the other week. It was like, he went the other way. Dude. The poor guy, He's he's got some doggy IBS. And it's a... Uh, How old is Gilmore now? He's like 11 now. Oh, He's an old man. He's got a gray snout. He does. Yeah, he's kind of losing his hearing a little oh, bit. Oh, he definitely is. He really is. I'll walk in and Gilmore and Sarah will be in the kitchen and he'll and I'll be halfway through the house and he'll be like, oh, yeah. I'll be like, Gilmore, someone's here. And yeah. So yeah, poor Gilmore. He's having a hard time. Um, but he's acting totally fine otherwise, and that's always a good sign. Like yeah. when they're if they're like throwing up or something, the vet will always say, like, well, how do they seem otherwise? And he seems totally normal. Yeah, like behaviorally is fine. He's just has he's got poop issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I need to look into some other options, but Yeah. Yeah, my dog's got IBS, just like half of America. You know. You know. As one does. Right. So my suite is that we live uh, right by this tree farm, and we found this little path that is literally a scene out of Pride and Prejudice <laughs> or some sort of like overgrown English garden, open fields, long, like billowy, like grass swaying in the wind. And we keep walking around like Golden Hour. It has been like the best, the best walk. Mm-hmm. it's and so crazy right now is like the perfect time for a walk like that oh yeah it's like not too hot it's breezy mm-hmm. it's been kind of overcast but then partly sunny and like i don't know it's just been it's been so nice to have like just a spot where there's no cars we sort of live on a busy street um and it's just gorgeous and there's all these trees that are growing like on one side and then there's cows that love to visit us on the other side so we keep like walking <laughs> down this path and the cows have caught on that we walk around this time now and the cows will literally run from like <laughs> one of the side of the farm to the other because then we feed them some of the grass i feel like it's such a weird thing to see a cow running oh it's very bizarre and it's loud and it's kind of scary because they're big yeah <laughs> so but then they just stand there and look at us like feed us grass so anyway it's just been really nice to have a little spot near our house that we can just leave our house go on a walk and be kind of in a different landscape yeah it's really nice it so, sounds really nice it's very peaceful so that's my suite nice Gilmore would love 
Uh, he probably would. He love would it. poop all over it. Yeah, <laughs> he would. He'd pee on every tree. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, my sweet, um, if you guys remember from a couple episodes ago, I was complaining about dating apps. Yes. So apparently you just need to get kind of like fed up with dating apps and complain about it on your podcast. <laughs> and then the universe just kind of throws something at you. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to say like too much, except that things are looking up in that department and nice things are happening. And I'll just say if you're on the apps, just like... Have faith. Like, have faith, but, like, half give up. And when you're, like, not... Honestly, my experience on these apps is whenever I'm, like, not really trying to find anything... That's when things pan out. That's (laughs) when something shows up. Um, And maybe that's, like, when I'm being, like, really picky, too. Like... Yeah. I don't know. But, like, I definitely was experiencing the burnout where, like, if you're on these apps too much without having anything happen, then you start to feel like, I'm never going to meet anybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it was, like, two weeks for me. And I was like, I'm done. Uh, (laughs) But, but yeah. So, good things are happening for me in the dating world. And it's very nice. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm uh, not going to say too much about it. Because I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, knock on wood. Everything's great. You know. So that's all I'll say. And I'm happy that you're happy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's exciting. And a huge, like, positive in your overall life. Yeah. That you can close out of those apps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did, like, delete my Tinder account and stuff. See, that's how you know, like... Yeah, it's going pretty good. <laughs> you know. So Um more on that later, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Sure. See? Yeah. See how we'll see. much I feel like sharing. Yeah, you gotta feel it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably listening to this episode, so <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we're gonna talk about spritz um on this episode. So I'm gonna lead the charge because I've been cooking my way through Italy, as I mentioned. Um, we're going to do three variations on this episode. More on that in a second, but... And Laura did all the research and planning for this one, so I get to sit back yeah. and just be educated yeah. and drink. Yeah, which and is who doesn't the best. love that on a Saturday afternoon? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Okay. Sarah, what time is that? Spritz o'clock. It's spritz o'clock. <laughs> Okay, so um, I love a spritz. We're doing a spritz, like, deep dive today. Mm-hmm. When's the first time you had a spritz? Well, I think you were the first one to really, like, talk to me about them. Uh, I, I've definitely, like, heard the term wine spritzers. Yeah, we before. grew up in the time of lots of wine spritzers of the early 90s. Yeah, and like that never appealed to me, but then when you would talk to me about how you fell in love with like the Aperol spritz and stuff, I had tried them, but I think because I don't love Aperol, it was it's never a drink that I like fell in love with, but I did end up buying that book called Spritz. Yes. And um like kind of learned a little bit more about the, you know, construction of 
a spritz in general because it's just like a formula. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I remember I made one that was like a watermelon basil spritz from that book. Yeah, they have a lot of great, um, like not traditional ones, but ones mm-hmm. that are like twists on it. So good. Yeah, but I do love sparkling wine um, and I love cocktails. So it's like, hello, I'm totally down with the spritz. It's just got to be the right one. Yeah. Um, so my backstory to how I discovered the spritz was first time in like traveling Europe with Luke, we were in Rome and it was like one of our first nights and I saw it was like five o'clock. We're walking around trying to find a bar to like go get a drink at. And I was like just seeing all of these hot Italians drinking this bright orange cocktail. And I kept seeing it everywhere. And I was like, that looks so good. And then finally we sat down and we asked the bartender, like stupid Americans, <laughs> what is that drink? Uh-huh. And they said it was an Aperol spritz. And that was it. I mean, yeah. ever since then, I've just, it reminds me of that trip. It reminds me of Italy. And when we lived in Lancaster, we used to live by Luca, which we would mm-hmm. go to all the time. And of course, that's like, first of all, their cheapest cocktail. Mm. And an easy thing to just wash down, whatever. So right. yeah. So then it was like living in Lancaster and like thinking of Italy. And I sort of, yeah, that's sort of the backstory. But the spritz as an intro, one thing that people should know, um, I have a blog post all about this for Roaming Italy, the cooking project I'm doing. Spritz, we think of as Aperol spritz most of the time here in 2021. Uh-huh. But the spritz is actually like a whole category of drinks. Like you said, it's a formula. Mm-hmm. And um, like every region of Italy, including like bars themselves, have their own variation of how to make a spritz. Okay. Um, the Aperol is definitely the most like widely shared and known. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be a spritz, there's one common element and it has to do with dilution. So... You take um, you take wine and you're diluting it with some sort of like water or club soda mm-hmm. or something else. So this goes all the way back to ancient Greece. Okay. Okay. Um, and when the ancient Greeks partied, there were definitely like some codes of conduct, right? Like, you know, you don't want to be a hot mess. Okay. You don't want to like, you know, get really tipsy too fast. And apparently their wine was really, really strong. So okay. what they would do is they would always mix it with water. It was like... The refined way. If to if you drank undiluted wine, you were like inelegant. You were like not cool. <laughs> you were a hot mess. You were a hot mess. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> the reason why is because it prolonged their buzz. So mm-hmm. you don't have like that. You know what we've all experienced. Right? <laughs> yeah. You go a little too hard, a little too fast. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're on the kitchen floor. And and you don't remember getting there. Here I am. My wreath of laurels is on the ground. <laughs> My toga's fallen off my body. Right. So you're at the symposium and you made a fool of yourself. You're like streaking through the courtyard. Yeah. (laughs) Me with some like half demigod. Yeah, it's whatever. So anyway, in ancient Greece, they like, of course, diluted their wine. It was apparently very strong. It lengthened their buzz. And there were these recipes, right? So in ancient Greece, they had um, wine and snow. They would take what? melted snow, um, which apparently um, Augustus loved. It was called Seton. There was also um, a version of this called Molsum, which was mixed with honey. Um, Contidum, c- Conditum, which was herbs, spices, seeds, and more. And Rosatum, which involved rose petals in oh. diluting the wine. 
So basically, whatever you took with wine, you would you would definitely water it down with something, whether that's snow or honey or different herbs and spices or rose petals themselves. You were always diluting your wine. Okay. So anyway, when we think of spritz, though, we think of like, you know, something that's bubbly and effervescent. So the backstory to this, moving a little bit more forward, is in the 1800s, in northern regions of Italy, they were controlled by the Habsburgs. So these were Austro-Hungarian um, soldiers who had moved in and basically took control of the area. Okay. So um, these Austrian-Hungarian <laughs> soldiers came to Italy and basically were like, ew, <laughs> nah, gross. <laughs> and, I mean, after drinking years of Riesling. <laughs> this wine is nasty. They're like... <laughs> kombucha girl face you know <laughs> so they started to add a spritz or a splash of water to the italian wine so okay. that's where the name comes from as we know it so like do spritzes have to be bubbly because to me spritz to me is uh, like the bubbliness the answer is no okay so prosecco became a big deal in the 1990s or i'm sorry the 1980s when like apparently in the 80s people loved like their sparkling champagne and prosecco like this became oh. a huge thing in like okay. urban like cool bars yeah but um no so a spritz can be it's basically anything wine that's watered down so it does okay. not have to be bubbly it is i mean most of them we know today are prosecco or uh-huh. some sort of champagne sort of effervescent white white wine yeah but no it doesn't have to be Okay. Um, so yeah, the name Spritz comes from these soldiers basically being like, can I just have a splash of water in there or whatever, which cracks me up because I think of these like huge soldiers being like, this is too strong. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, now soda water. So I'm sure they used regular water during that time, but soda, as we know it, like club soda wasn't invented until the 19th century. So, mm-hmm. yeah, by the 1910s, bartenders started to keep soda water, like, on reserve in bars. So this is where the Amer- Americano comes from, because mm-hmm. the Americano is Campari, Sweet Vermouth, and Club Soda. And now Club Soda is sort of in rotation. It's available. Yeah. The and Americano then, we did on the Negroni episode. Yes. Right, okay. Which you should go listen to if you haven't listened to. Yeah. Um, so then by the 1920s, 10 years later, these bitter fortified liqueurs became introduced. Um, and they were like really cool throughout Italy, especially in Torino. Mm. Apparently Torino had a really like secret sort of speakeasy style of treating these uh, mm. fortified liqueurs. Um, they were once medicinal, but then people started to drink them like... Not for medicinal purposes. <laughs> oh, so like, I was going to say, I'm sure they were around way before the 1920s, but are you yeah. saying like they became more of like the bar drinking yes. scene yes. in the 20s? So you'd go to the bar, but then like in the back, they'd be like making these fortified liqueurs and people would basically be getting tipsy off of those too. Okay. Um. So yeah, but then it moved from like medicinal to cultural slash social drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, And that happened in the 1920s. So you know, these sort of different elements are all at play. But then in the 1990s, um, the spritz really developed into what we know it with, as you have asked about with Prosecco being added into the mix. Okay. So more on that in a second, but um, the spritz became like everyone's post-work sort of drink because Uh it was... Happy hour. Yeah, happy hour. And the spritz is not really made to make you get lit. 
Yeah. Like it's it's literally watered down wine uh-huh. with a little dash of a fortified liqueur. Okay. Um, so it's not made to make you get like a really big buzz. So all these people would leave work, mm-hmm. want to get a little drink, mm-hmm. not get too lit and go home. Right. So that that's why people sort of found themselves leaning into the spritz and it's o'clock. like kind of the, the kind of drink you could sip on like all day absolutely if you're like at a pool party or something and you want to like get a little buzz on but not feel crazy yeah so our first one i'm gonna make right now is the aperol spritz okay so okay the aperol spritz recipe let me just pull it up is one-to-one parts of aperol and prosecco and then normally what i do is i just like top it off with some club soda. Okay. So if you're doing like a traditional, it's like three ounces to three ounces Aperol and Prosecco, one ounce of club soda. So seven ounces for yeah. one drink? Yeah. we're not, pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one thing people should know too is traditionally these are always served in wine glasses because it is okay. a wine-based uh-huh. situation. I'm going to open up my Prosecco. Oh, here we go. Watch out, Vin. Vinny's like face planted into the couch. <laughs> He's so the sweet. The couch crevice. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not going to like this. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch him. Ooh, that woke him up. Good morning. <laughs> okay. Aperol is, I don't know. To me, it never lasts as long as I want it to. What, the Aperol? Yeah. Like, I always feel like I get this and I'm like, oh, this will last us forever. But then you you guys make spritzes a lot. Yeah. And it's always gone. <laughs> Aperol does last forever at my house. Not in this household. <laughs> okay. So you did two and two. And then two you're just going to do a splash of the club soda. Yeah. Cool. Technically, it should be like. And then what you do, oh, orange shoot. peel as a garnish yes. thingy. Orange, orange peel, orange wedge. Mm-hmm. Some people put an olive. No thanks. <laughs> I'm I'm a fan, but not everyone's a fan of that. So before we actually get into the spreads, Aperol spreads. Cheers. Cheers. Ah, yeah. It is refreshing. It tastes like Italy. It does. It's very summery. It's the perfect summer drink. Yeah. Like you said, pool mm-hmm. plus this. I I think I like this more than I thought I did. Really? Yeah. Like, I think, like, the first time I tried it, when, like, you ordered one, I was like, yeah, that's good. It's not something you should get if you really want to get your buzz on. Mm-hmm. Although this is it's... a lot bigger. For... <laughs> yeah. We might... <laughs> might have to chug this. Note to self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you would have fit more than this in this uh, cup. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is a good size. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Aperol came to be in 1919. Um, and you know, it was around, it was used, but it wasn't until the 1990s when like they made this marketing campaign to really set it off. All right. So Mm -hmm. the ad that they made that went really viral, well, if you want to call it viral, whatever they called it before the internet, um, (laughs) was like this picture of these hot, attractive Italians Mm -hmm. drinking Aperol in the daytime. I feel like I can picture this ad. Uh, Yeah. Because it's every day in Italy. (laughs) But no, like, so this ad is based off of what was really happening in Venice. So Venice has this long history of this 
aperitivo hour mm-hmm. situation that has spread throughout most of Italy now. But like in Venice, for whatever reason, people would just go to the canals, go to your closest bar, mm-hmm. and after work, you're there, you're snacking, you're having a spritz. And it's just amazing. Why did the Europeans live so much better than we do? Dude, don't even get me started. You know I'm looking at houses. Oh, my God. It's like in America, it's like, let's go to Applebee's. It's like, should I DoorDash Chipotle? (laughs) They're just, you know, sipping one of these Aperol spritzes next to a canal in Venice with the sun shining on them. They're all hot. (laughs) They all have cool sunglasses. They all have health care. (laughs) that's hot that's hot (laughs) but yeah so like this is like the the ad that really set them off was just basically hot young people in the daytime drinking an aperol Mm -hmm. these like bright orange cocktails so um that this like sort of spread and popularized throughout the country and at the same time interestingly enough um there were literal Aperol people going to bars and teaching them how to make this cocktail. So kind of propaganda, basically just like coming in being like, I'm going to teach you how to make this cocktail because people are going to want it. How, how long does it take you to teach someone to make this? I don't know, but this was a whole campaign. (laughs) They were like, we want every bar to know how to make this. So anyway, they started introducing uh, this because it starts in Venice ish, Northern Italy. I cannot definitively tell you where the spritz actually comes from because the Austro-Hungarians were everywhere, honey. So <laughs> anyway, these in Northern Italy, they started to go to Florence and Rome and then go more south from there, teaching them how to make this. Okay. So this is how it spread. And the, the thing that they kept telling bartenders was that the lower alcohol content would appease drinkers who are trying to curb their consumption. So they're like, listen, if you're really trying to not be an alcoholic, have a spritz. <laughs> but... This is still mostly alcohol. <laughs> but it's watered down. Right. A little. By a little. <laughs> and I guess the Aperol is probably low in Yeah, alcohol. let me see. I actually don't know. Where does it say that? 11%. Oh, that's basically, that's like wine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically, we have, we've got. I a mean, double wine soda here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So in the early two thousands, um, Aperol was actually bought out by another company by the same company that has Campari. Okay. Okay. So they started to push even more about the whole socialization, laid back, like after work, but mm-hmm. more modern and more millennial. Yeah. And this is sort of what we have bought into so i think mom i know you're listening i think my parents need to get in on this for their happy hours on the deck this summer yeah yeah i think my mom would be into this the spritz is the perfect summer cocktail mm-hmm. period also like you said it washes down easy it's very you know light. what one of my mom's favorite happy hour drinks is a blue moon with like a ton of orange shoved into it this and I feel like this orangey. is very similar. Yeah. Like, if I close my eyes, it's almost like I'm drinking Blue Moon. The other day, I tried a spritz with, like, same ingredients, but I swapped out the Aperol and Campari, and it is night and day. Like, the Aperol is so much more orange. Yeah. It's like Campari so much more bitter. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> More on that in a second. But um, yeah, so in 2019, the cocktail celebrated its 100th birthday and is now the ninth best-selling cocktail on the planet. 
Didn't they do a ton of marketing that year to have like Aperol Spritz Week or something? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of restaurants around here were doing stuff. Like yeah. That. So there's a Negroni Week, which is run by Campari. Okay. And which is now own which now owns Aperol. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure. Yeah, Probably, yeah. They push the same, same sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, also, they know what they're doing. If you want the best view of a, like ever while you sip a spritz in Milan, there is actually an Aperol bar. Okay. Run by Aperol. Um, it's right by the Duomo in Milan, which is mm-hmm. gorgeous. And you can sit on the balcony and see the Duomo like directly behind you. Mm-hmm. We didn't do it because it's expensive, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. So if you really want to like, in, invest in the spritz experience, the Aperol spritz experience, I should say. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what you should do. So I'm going to keep talking while we finish these because we obviously overpoured. <laughs> so um, like I said, most of Northern Italy can claim ownership of the spritz because the Habsburgs dominated basically the entire area and they weren't really regions as we know them today. So who really knows who can claim it? But there is a trail of spritz. So if you go from Torino to Milan to Brescia to Trento to Padua to Venice and then finally Trieste, Trieste, I always say that wrong, Trieste, that's the trail of spritz. Mm. Each one of the cities claims um their direct impact on the cocktail's creation. Torino had the whole fortified wines, bitters. Mm-hmm. Milan had Barbasso, which is where they had the Negroni Spagliato for the first time. Okay. Which we did in our Negroni episode. Yeah. But basically, it's an accident where they accidentally spilled wine into a Negroni, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, Venice uh, obviously mastered the aperitivo because that's where the whole campaign came from. So, like, I'm not going to claim one of these cities really has ownership over it. Yeah. You can decide for yourself. Cool. You know? Um, Okay, so the next type of variety we're going to have is called the Hugo. And I really think you're going to like this one. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I also have a blog post on this. I'm not sure if it's going to be out by the time this episode comes out. But to keep an eye out for it. Okay. I don't know where the name Hugo comes from. Because the guy who made this cocktail is not named Hugo. Okay. Just to contextualize. So the Hugo is actually from Trentino Alto Adige, which is in northern Italy. It's where the Dolomites are, where like those gorgeous mountains are. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, but they are heavily influenced by Austrian culture because literally on the other side of the mountains is Austria. Mm. So even the food is very like Austrian, like strudel and mm-hmm. more Germany sort of yeah. flavors. Um, but, uh, one thing that they're really big on is elderflower. So, um, you can use elderflower liqueur or elderflower syrup and, uh, elderflower syrup is the way that we're going. Where did you get elderflower syrup? Amazon. Oh yeah. You can make it. Okay. Um, but I don't know where I could get my hands on elderflower period. So yeah. Um, yeah, this is one of those things you're just going to have okay. to probably buy it online. Well, St. Germain elderflower liqueur, you can usually find it at the yes. liquor store pretty easily. Yes. I learned that in passing, but I will tell you that this syrup is really good. Is really good. Okay. <laughs> um, and what I like about this variation is that it it has mint in it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mint is like very, I guess, I don't know, herby, herbaceous thing. Mm-hmm. And... Some people do it with lime. Some people do it with lemon. We're going to do it with lemon. Okay. But it's really refreshing and it's really, really good. 
So are you ready to do this? Should I grab another cup? Yeah, let's get a fresh cup. Okay. So Hugo is one ounce of elderflower liqueur and a dash of soda water or club soda and then Prosecco. Yeah, exactly. And then I kind of love a cocktail that's very like, just add a dash of this, just add a dash of that. And that's exactly what this cocktail is. It's just like, top it off with some Prosecco. Cool. And then mint. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to like this. It kind of reminds me of a mojito with the minty situation. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really good, though. But the elderflower is like, interesting. so good. Elderflower is so like distinct and floral yeah i always love cocktails that use it me too i had an elderflower man um old-fashioned once Ooh. it's like an old-fashioned with a bit of the elderflower liqueur it was really good let's stir this up a little bit because i see Ooh, i can smell the mint it's real good this might be my drink of choice for the evening it's pretty good all right oh, cheers. cheers or as they tell and say chin chin that's good i feel like i wanted to have more prosecco yeah i would top it off with more prosecco but we got to save some for later Uh it's really good though it is um much more light definitely mojito-y as you said floral because the elderflower and the elderflower syrup is definitely very sweet Mm -hmm. you don't need too much of that at Mm -hmm. all Maybe that's why I think it needs more Prosecco. Yeah. Could go light on the syrup. Yeah. I like it, though. Tasty. Yeah. I could definitely get down with this. Now. I could, like, drink one of these real fast. Yeah. That's the problem with these. They do go down really they easy. They do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then the last variation we're going to have is the bicicletta. Do you know what that means in Italian? I want to see if Bicycle. You can get... Yeah, good. Okay. That's one of my favorite <laughs> Italian words. Bicicletta, bicicletta. Which is Campari, regular white wine. So, like, I'm a little nervous about that. I haven't ever had this oh, variation. Yeah? Okay. Because I've had it with, I've had, like, basically the Aperol spritz, but instead of Aperol, it's Campari. Uh-huh. Totally different beast. But this doesn't even have Prosecco. It's just... Like your Campari, mm-hmm. dry white wine, like a Pinot Grigio. But white, like a Pinot Grigio, I think has more flavor to it than Prosecco. Yeah, for sure. So maybe that helps the Campari. It's definitely a denser thing than a Prosecco. Okay. And then soda water and then like orange. So we'll see. Yeah. Let's finish our drinks first. I'm going to pause. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Which Lara is, just made one for us. I just said I don't think I'm going to like this one. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to okay. take a sip. But it it's three three to two. Three ounces of dry white wine to two ounces Campari. So it's not a one-to-one. Is that how you made it? Yeah. You don't like it? No. <laughs> okay, let's see what I think. I don't. <laughs> oh. 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 What is that white wine? Okay, did I What just, did you use? Oh. Why does it taste like cigarettes? Do you know what? Hmm. It's a cork. I just hate a Pinot Grigio. I like Pinot Grigio, but I think it's like Pinot Grigio with a Campari. Like, I just Ugh. do not like Campari. See, I like a Campari for a Negroni, but this is not well, the vibe. Let me try. 
I mean, somebody might like that. No. 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 Ugh. It looks so much like a normal Aperol spritz, though. It does. It's a little bit more red in color. Yeah. But oh. I am not a fan. Okay, I'm, maybe if you replace the white wine with a Prosecco. Maybe. Did you do a three to two ratio? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, no, not a fan. Maybe like a okay, three to honey. one? I don't know. What's that? No, I was going to make another one, but. Oh. You just added more Campari to it? That's not going to help. It's actually a little better. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Not for me. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, we're not... We, this is no. like, if I ordered this somewhere, I would I would not send it back, but I would order in myself a new drink. You'd be like, I'm never ordering that again. <laughs> Immediately crosses it yeah. off the cocktail list. <laughs> Definitely. Nope. Okay. Okay, well, so that's the Bicicletta. Yeah. Sorry, oh. not a fan. But there are other types of uh, variations on the spritz that we're not making today. So obviously the Negroni Spagliato is a spritz. Mm-hmm. It's Campari, Sweet Vermouth, and Prosecco. So that is so much better than absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> From what between I a bicicletta and a Negroni Spagliato, get the Negroni Spagliato. Mm. Oh yeah. Ugh. But isn't the Negroni Spagliato like one to one to one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the balance is different, but but that's not watered down at all. Nope. So is it really a spritz? Well, maybe 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 not technically. Yeah. I it's don't like know. in the same family though for, it's like, like a cousin flavor. it's a cousin okay the venetian spritz is any sort of bitter liqueur you can get your hands on prosecco and soda water which i mean technically the aperol spritz falls into that exactly right? yeah okay um even i would say an amaro you could probably oh, yeah. just toss in there um and a white spritzer is dry white wine like what we had <laughs> soda water and lemon syrup I could get down with that. I, I feel like a lemon syrup would change things. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Anything's better than this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Guys, don't make this one. <laughs> don't make the bicicletta. Just do a classic, you guys. I wonder why it's called the bicicletta. I don't know. It didn't really have an explanation on it. So it means bicycle. So it's ironic that this is from Venice because you can't even ride bikes in Venice. So Oh, weird. Yeah. There you go. Mm, wishful thinking. What's your favorite? Uh, definitely the Hugo. The Hugo. Yeah, although I would do more Prosecco than what you did for yeah. us. A little sweet. Yeah. I'm a classic I Aperol like, Spritz. I like the Aperol Spritz, though. More it's than so I thought. Good. Peggy and Gary got to get on this. Yeah, you guys, you guys got to get on it. At yeah. least my mom. Yeah, and if you haven't ever made an Aperol Spritz or a Spritz, start with an Aperol Spritz. It's the, it's the foundation, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. It's awesome. a great summer drink, so cheers, everyone. Well, thanks for educating us, Laura. You're welcome. And for getting me buzzed. Yeah. I'm definitely tipsy. <laughs> We're going to have pizza, though. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, cheers. Chin, chin. Listener question. Okay. This question comes from Amy Doodle 26 who literally blasted us with great questions. Yeah, this, I mean, this whole I think half of season. our episodes this season have questions from Amy. Yeah. It's great. Thanks, Amy. Which, if you don't remember, Amy is like hot dog lady. Yeah. From our- and and um, mother has questionable salads. Yes, that Amy. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Okay. Amy asked, if you could only have one type of cheese for the rest of your life, what would it be? So for me, this is a pretty easy answer. Me too. And it's sharp cheddar. That's a great choice. I, I'm going to guess yours is Parmesan. Parmigiano Reggiano, yeah. baby. King of cheeses. <laughs> okay, so when, when you get a sharp cheddar, what's your like brand that you get? Um, I really love like um, a good like aged Irish cheddar. Mm. I mean, I also love like a Wisconsin cheddar or a Vermont. Like a Cabot Seriously Sharp? Yeah, I mean. That's a classic. I mean, can't go wrong with that one. Um, yeah, but yeah, for me, like sharp cheddar for me is perfect because I will gladly eat it by itself. Mm-hmm. I will eat it with fruit. I would enjoy it on a pizza. Like it goes with eggs. Like what I would like it on it do? basically anything. Mac and cheese. Yeah. It just, I like it in so many different ways and it is my favorite cheese. So I think I could eat that cheese for the rest of my life and not have any other ones. Love it. Yeah. Mine, I have to say Parmigiano Reggiano because, come on. And let me just say right now, Parmigiano Reggiano is not Parmesan cheese, as we say here in America. Wait, what did you say? Parmesan. Who Parmesan. Parm. Whatever. It's not the same thing. It's off the wheel. It's legit. It's the bougie stuff. It's real good. You go to the Italian market, Mm -hmm. you get it off the block. Yeah. There's a difference. And you can just bite into a hunk of that. And when you when you slice it super thin, like almost transparent mm. thin, mm-hmm. laid on your tongue, heaven. yeah, yeah. I mean, the t- those sharp cheddar and that Parmigiano Reggiano, yeah, you're set for life. Yeah, those two. Yeah, Just I would lock say, me in a cave with those two cheeses. Yeah. I'll be fine. <gasps> yeah, I don't like other cheeses that came to mind. Like I just couldn't really see myself only eating that cheese. Mm-hmm. Like, I like a goat cheese, but, like, I don't like goat cheese that much. No. You know? No, goat cheese is cheddar, bottom tier. Like, cheddar's amazing, especially a sharp cheddar. Yeah. And we have, like, so many blocks of that in our fridge right I now. Mean, it's embarrassing. Let me just say right now, don't come at me with any mild cheddar. Ew. I will throw you out of my house. Absolutely. And if you come near me with a craft single. <laughs> well, that's American. You're dead to me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, whoever chooses mild cheddar... Also, if you, if you choose a Swiss, you're dead to me. Oh, God. Sorry. Get out of here. You're dead. <laughs> you're dead to me. No. Unless Swiss we're cheese making, could never. Unless we're making French onion soup. Right, but like, can you eat Swiss on its own? Mm, no. Only if you have mustard. Yeah, and even then, I don't love it. Yeah, even then, I'd it's rather a little sharp weird. cheddar. <laughs> yeah. Like okay, we've good. said. We have similar tastes on this issue. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Shall we get to recommendations? Yes. So I recently treated myself to a little Glossier haul. And because like I haven't bought makeup in so long, but now that I'm wearing my contacts again, sometimes still a problem. But anyway, I, you know, just been having a little more fun with like my eyes when I can. And I had been wanting to try their product called Lidstar. Amazing. I have it in the color called Cub, which is kind of um, like a, it's like a shimmery rose gold, like neutral kind of a thing. And it's a liquid eyeliner. Um, or a liquid eyeshadow. Yeah. So it's eyeshadow. All the lid stars have a shimmer to them. 
they're like a little glittery, but yeah, it's cool because it comes in this, uh, it's almost like a lip gloss applicator yeah. kind of a thing. So you just like swipe it on your eye and kind of like smudge it around like all with this wand. Um, I have there, I have this in, I forget the shade, but it's more purpley, like a smoky oh, purple. Okay. And yeah. it's the lid star. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. And I realize what I love about Glossier's makeup products is that they're subtle and buildable, but they're also really easy to apply. Yeah. So it's like very easy for me, like to just think like, you know what? I am going to throw some of that on yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. not going to look obnoxious compared to my normal, like basic makeup face. It's just going to add a little something extra, but also take like two seconds for me to put it on. I don't have to be super precise. Yeah. And it just adds a little something, something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, because like I'm not a huge eyeshadow fan unless I am like really getting done up for something. And I don't love powders on my face in general. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so like I kind of love that this is so easy to put on and it's got that shimmer. So it's like you don't need a ton of color because even just the shimmer is like, ooh, like yeah, what's yeah, going yeah, yeah. on? But it's, um, not gl- it's not glitter. It's a, sh- it's a very soft shimmer. Yeah. Um yeah, so I'm really enjoying it and I just feel like I'm doing something special for myself when I put it on. Yeah, I love it. I can also vouch that I do love their lid star. Yeah. It's cute. I like that color. Yeah, it's nice. I I was afraid it was going to be a little too warm on me, but it's not. It's yeah. more I think it's more neutral than it looks like on the website. Yeah. So yeah, this is the color cub is what I got. <laughs> So what's your recommendation? My recommendation is probably the most expensive recommendation we've ever made on this podcast, (laughs) which is um, the Unicoda, which is a propane gas pizza oven that Mm. was gifted to me for my 30th birthday from my boyfriend. So (laughs) like, okay, how much is this thing? Anyway, I don't, I've never looked up the price on this thing. I'm sure it's a couple hundred. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when I tell you this thing, like, really does change your pizza game, mm-hmm. there's no comparison. Any baked pizza I've ever made doesn't even, like, have any, like, have any comparison to what this does. Mm-hmm. It is so good. I'm so, we're going to play with it tonight. I'm so So, excited to try it. Yeah. I'm hyping it up right now. So hopefully it doesn't, you know, you know, your stand, your standards aren't like too raised, but anyway, it's extremely good. Also, um, the Coda is small, so they have bigger ones where you can maybe fit two pies. This is just like a single one. Um, it's like, I think their most affordable option too, but Mm -hmm. for someone like me, it's the perfect size. You put you pop a pizza like in there, you watch it in like a minute it's done and you kind of got to like toss it around, but it's super fun. And I'm looking forward to tonight because having this thing, I love the idea of just like, yeah, come on over. We make a batch of dough. Mm -hmm. We just have a bunch of things out. People grab whatever type of like topping they want and then, you know, toss it in there and you have amazing pizza and like spritzes. Is that not the perfect night? Yeah. But yeah, this thing really is amazing. And it, it gets like that leoparding that you get on a really good pizza, oh, you know? Uh-huh. And you mean on the cheese or on the crust? On the crust. Okay. And on the, I mean, in the cheese too. Uh-huh. But like the, around the crust of the edge where like it just gets that like soft yeah. little 
like speckly of like singeing. Mm. It's so good. Ooh, so good. I'm excited. Yeah. So that's probably not a realistic recommendation, but if you're <laughs> feeling like you really love your pizza and you want to up your game, I would mm-hmm. recommend it. Sweet. Yeah. Well, it's on brand. It is on brand. So, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> something to save up for. Yes. Or ask for for Christmas. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an do. investment, but it's a worth worthy one. Cool. Awesome. I mean, I'd rather have that than a grill. Like, I mean, you should probably have a grill. But I mean, <laughs> but like, if I had to pick one, I would pick a pizza oven. I mean, yeah, for you, definitely. Yeah, you don't you don't grill all that I don't, often. I don't own a grill yeah. right now, yeah. so to me, having a pizza oven is already an upgrade. Yeah, if I would get one. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well. Guys, thanks for joining. We have one more episode left. Yeah, one more. Um, and yeah. normally, just a heads up, normally we do our Feast of St. Pete's episode for our last one. In lieu of the restrictions and just a crazy year, we're not doing Feast of St. Pizza. We're going to do mm-hmm. a frozen pizza face-off. Yeah. So if you have any frozen pizzas that you think should be thrown into the ring, let us know. Yeah. You can contact us at um, hello at Passport Pizza Pod. Wait, no. <laughs> at hello oh, at passportsandpizza.com. <laughs> and um, also, if you hear this like too late to tell us, please still tell us your frozen yeah. pizza recommendation because I'm sure we'll do one next season too. Yeah, for sure. And we can uh, keep track yeah. of recommendations you we can, get from you guys. You can also DM us on Instagram at Passport Pizza Pod. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know your favorite frozen pizzas, um, and we're going to end with a bang next episode. Yeah, you can also reach out to us at our phone number. You can leave us a voicemail or text us at 717-964-0215. Yep, and our show notes with links and everything that we uh, recommended, as well as any products we mentioned, can be found on our website at www.passportsandpizza.com. And if you want to see what we're up to in our day-to-day lives, you can give us a follow on Instagram. I'm at Sarah underscore Cornelius underscore, and that's Sarah with no H. And Laura is at Rome and Go Lightly, and that's R-O-A-M. Yeah. And last but not least, a thank you to (laughs) Will Gingrich for our theme music. And we'll talk to you next time. Chin chin. Bye. Bye. Vinny, are you trying to sabotage this pod? I feel like he is. Vinny, come on. Let's go. (laughs) He's just got to get settled. Yeah. He's prowling. Okay.